Hello, and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Brea Mosk, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing The Student Prince by Fay J, Pamela Dean's Tam Lin, and the pilot episode of The Magicians. Hello, and welcome to episode 58, College Experience 101. I'm Alex, and I'm the English major one. I'm Freya, and I'm the psychology major one. I'm Macy, and I am the computer science and mathematics one. We are three redheaded fantasy authors. And today we're talking about college AUs and books set in universities and so forth, and Freya and I are going to have an argument about a tentpole, which is going to be extremely lighthearted and fun. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> but before we get into all that, what are we reading, fellow serpents? Well, due to the first tentpole, which we will have an argument about, I have gone back <laughs> mm-hmm. and ransacked my plays and poetry shelf a little oh, bit gosh. and read a few plays. Most of which I was first exposed to in high school, but a few of which I was exposed to because of the tentpole. So I've been reading some plays. I also reread Band Sinister by KJ Charles because my heart needed a lighthearted queer found family Regency romp. So good. Very good. And I have also read Storm Song, the second book in the Kingston Cycle by C.L. Polk. This is the sequel to Witchmark. And this one focuses on... Miles's sister Grace and what happens to her after the events of the first book and also a hot lady journalist that she has feelings for. I actually Ooh. think this is a better book than Witchmark. I really, really liked the plotting and the structure. I thought Grace was a really fun character to follow and there was a really good build-up of lots of things that were just causing her stress and she did a really good portrayal of here is a capable smart person attempting to deconstruct and then reconstruct her moral system Ooh, Ravenclaw uh, primaries yeah in the face of a discovery that all the things she had thought were true are actually built on some fairly unpleasant truths so i would highly recommend that very nice meanwhile i have read approximately one book in the past two weeks and it was Murderbot, so it was very small, uh, because I have been in permanent work-from-home quarantine mode for a week and a half now, because Seattle, as previously mentioned, is still the epicenter in the US. So that's fun. I ha- I want my brain back. I want your brain back as well, uh, Macy. It's a good brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good brain. Um I have also not read too much recently. I have just been doing things and busy and not in sort of the brain space for reading things. Um, (laughs) Other than fan fiction, of course, I'm still reading a fuckload of fanfic. Um, I stuck my nose briefly into the fandom for the Husky and his White Cat Shizen, um, which was cool and fun, but there's not a whole lot of fic for it. But, you know, enjoyable. I'm sort of wending my way back to the Untamed fandom again because I've been sort of not reading as much fic for that, but uh, coming back to that. And I finally got my hands on the audiobook of The Name of All Things by Jen Lyons, and so I'm slowly making my way through that as well. Jen writes very (laughs) thick, thick books. And by thick, I mean T-H-I-C-C, thick books. Thick boys. (laughs) Um, Thick boys, (laughs) she does. Um, But they're very good. She writes uh, amazing epic fantasy uh, with like badass women 
And I am really enjoying this book. And I think the audiobooks for me are going to be the way the way to do it. Because I remember with her first book, it was just like really thick. And I had a hard time getting through it simply because it was so long mm. and I was so busy. Uh, but with an audiobook, I can sit down, I can listen to that at the same time that I'm doing some other things. And so it's And I will say, well. I think that Jen does a lot with her space. Things are happening very fast all the time. And mm -hmm. so if you have the ability to kind of sit down and um, to use a college term, neck the bottle in about three <laughs> days, uh, you can keep everything in your head and kind of remember what's going on a little bit easier. Yes, yes, very true. <laughs> yes, you um, put the straw in and then... Yeah, you just chug it. You just, just chug, chug it. Chug, it's chug, fine. Chug. Oh god, don't don't pressure your peers into drinking, friends. Uh, anyway, so those are some good books. Uh, wow, we got through the what are we reading by the fifth minute of the podcast. Who well are we? Who are we? Uh, we were all so efficient this week. Um, do we want to like fuck around for another five to ten minutes before we? Get Why is the word in this title college? That's a good yes, college, college is a thing that 16 to 17 year olds do when they're getting their A levels. Alex. See, I, I don't know why I am the one being called out here because I was not the person who suggested this title. You are I'm being the called out. I'm calling out the entirety yes. of America. Yes, I was. Yes, I know. Yes. <laughs> As well you should. We deserve it. Yes, so Macy and, and Freya and I were discussing darling listeners, immediately before we hit record on this, <laughs> what we should call it. In classic college AU style, we were trying to come up with the title of this episode at 1am the night before it was due, metaphorically. Um, I've never and, done that. And arguing never about whether... Really? I did it all the time. I only had one uh, essay in the entirety of my college career, so oh, I've never done right, that. Oh, that's right, because you were... You were uh, a math person. Uh, you, um, you mean solving problem sets at 1am the night before it's due? Oh, no, never did that either. Did that at 6.30am. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> like, it's on, sitting on outside the class. tutor's door on right. a clipboard. <laughs> yes. I think I've only ever done one all night in my life and it was awful. Like, my brain basically shuts off at about 9.30. No, no, no. We I just... We perfected a system in the comp side apartment wherein oh, yes. you turn up with two two-liter bottles of iron brew and three giant family-sized bags of Doritos, and you would camp out. You'd get there at 9 a.m. on Saturday, get the best desks in the computer lab, and never leave, because we were the only majors Jesus with 24-hour access. And the best, of course, is determined by which Macy. ones can you nap under. Macy, how are you alive? <laughs> Computer science majors, Alex. I don't know what to tell you. We're gremlins. Good lord. Good lord. And you were but as we were saying, on a semantics level, the word college does not mean university in Australia or in England, really. Nope. Here, it means year 11 and 12, yes. which I'm assuming is the the same thing as the A-levels. For us, it's 12 or and 13, means, but yes. Yes, or it means a, re a residential college is a place where you might live on campus if you attend university. Mm. So when I was at medical school, I was living in a college on the University of Sydney campus. Right. 
Uh, but and it can occasionally also be a, a different word for faculty, like the College of yes. Sciences or the it's College basically, of Arts. It's a subdivision if it's in a university, uh, mm. apart from hilariously King's College London, which is just called that because fuck you. Yeah, um, that's just to confuse everybody. Yeah, England has precisely three collegiate universities. It has Cambridge, it has Oxford, and it has Durham. Durham are very snooty about the fact that people only apply to Durham if they wanted to go to Cambridge and Oxford and failed. Amazing. Yeah. A lot of the, I don't think every university My in Australia. My sister went to Durham, is... so I have to give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think every Australian university is collegiate, and the ones that are tend to be the older ones that model themselves right. on yeah. the Oxbridge model. Fucking Oxbridge. Yeah. They so... didn't let me in, so I'm bitter. Of course. <laughs> well, University <laughs> of Sydney is very much in the like, we're going to have sandstone quads, we're going to have oh colleges with their own traditions. Like, it's trying really hard to but be But did Oxford. you have geese? No, but we have ibises. Yes, well, because I it's love the ibises. Oh my gosh! Yes, darling listeners, if you ever ever go to Australia, you have to meet an ibis. They are the worst bird. They are possibly they are worse terrible. than Canada geese. They're amazing. Are they worse than pelicans? Oh yes, because yes. they stride through the city. So you say, "Oh yes, my university has ibises on the quad," and you think, "Wow, decorative birds." And then you <laughs> walk through the Sydney CBD, and there are like, ibises ah. climbing onto garbage bins and like diving for scraps. We will link in our notes, darling listeners, for your edification. A David Attenborough short documentary on the subject. Okay, also very good, explaining why they're called bin chickens. That I think I've seen that, and it was very good the first time, and I look forward to seeing it a second time. Shall we have an episode? Have we have we fucked around long enough now? Yeah, I mean, I was just waiting for an opportunity to stick my neck in and say, like, well, in America, college and university mean exactly the same thing, and no one distinguishes between them whatsoever. I don't know why you people make it more complicated than it needs to be. Everything is synonym. Okay, give it a millennia, and you'll figure it out. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> If we get that far, Macy, thank you. It's fine. Everything is fine and nothing is burning. Nothing is burning down. It's fine. Later in this episode, darling listeners, Alex will tell you about the plagues. But not now. Not now. Not now. Anyway, yes, let's uh, talk about the first tentpole. Freya? Yes, please. Yes. So the first tentpole this week was one that I had in mind as soon as we decided to do a university as setting episode. And this is the book Tam Lin by Pamela Dean. This is an odd book. I will admit that up front. <laughs> it is on one level a retelling of Tamlin, the fairy tale slash poem. It is also a book about a girl called Janet who goes to a liberal arts college in Minnesota in the 1970s and does her degree and makes some friends and, you know, has some boyfriends and discovers along the way that maybe some of the stuff that she was just thinking of as part of the natural weirdness of the university is a little bit more magic and a little bit more sinister. And then at the very end of the book, the Tamlin plot happens. <laughs> That's basically it. Yep. But uh, I... This book is also about 10% tree descriptions by weight. Yes, there are a lot of descriptions. If you like really nice descriptions of college campuses and trees and old buildings and the weird little spaces, then there's quite a lot of that <laughs> in this book. I didn't really care as much about that. So I love this book a lot. I didn't actually read it in university. I read it, I think probably sometime in my twenties, but I found it incredibly relatable, not because I went to this kind of university because I didn't, but because it features a friendship group of overeducated nerds who do not know what to do with their hormones and are yeah. trying to work out what to do with their intelligence. <laughs> 
And, and it's also, yeah, so th- I found that quite relatable given what my friendship group was like in university. Uh, but it's also, and this is the reason that I suggested it and really love it, I think it is an examination on how much unreality a person mm. will accept if you are living and existing with your brain saturated in narrative, especially given what Janet is studying, in a place where tradition and weirdness are both part of the fabric and expected. So that is my central thesis on why this is a good book Mm -hmm. university-wise and also science fiction fantasy-wise. Who would like to weigh in? I think for me, this book is the purest example that I will henceforth use when hardcore science fiction and fantasy humans who aren't in fandom ask me, what is a coffee shop AU for? Mm. Mm. Because this is very that. This is just a bunch of nerds living their life without an overarching drive or quest. No, it reads like somebody's fan fiction of a certain set of characters Yep. where there's no expectation that you're going to do anything with them except no, no. watch them go to class mm. and maybe go to the theatre and maybe have some sex and then, like, decorate their you rooms. Know, it's just so low-key slow all burn. the time. With a plot yeah. staple to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything that both of you have said is absolutely 100% correct, and that is why I did not like this book, unfortunately. Okay. Um, <laughs> Which is very fair. Shop it, it is a coffee though. shop AU. It is exactly a coffee shop AU. But generally, in fan fiction, the charming part of a coffee shop AU is that you already know and love the characters. And for me, I did not know these characters and feel particularly fond of them. I managed to get about 46% of the way through, and then I started crying, um, because I was feeling bad about myself because I kept trying to understand what it was doing. I was like, surely this book is like doing something and I'm missing it and I'm stupid for not getting it. So then I slid into Freya's DMs and begged and pleaded and wept at her feet until she said that I didn't have to finish reading it. Um, and then I went and I ate some, uh, strawberry shortcake and felt better about myself. Um, Because I think, I mean, the thing is, Alex, it's doing a thing, but it's not a thing that you wanted it to do or were expecting. And it's really hard if you go into a book, especially given what we think of as a science fiction and fantasy book these days. Like, this book would not get published today. No, it does not have a plot. Because it does not have a plot. You're absolutely right. The plot happens in the last, like, three chapters. Where's the plot? And I think that's the thing. You're you're coming at it from an analytical and like you understand how books should yeah. be in quotation marks. Well, but structured. also from a save the cat world. We are so saturated in the beats that a book has to hit. And, you know, you can't have a sad, floppy main character because they aren't driving anything. You have to do like with um with the choir of lies, mm. you had to do a bunch to be able to have a main character who is depressed and not driving the plot yes. by having someone else come in and drive the plot for you. Yes. Like, mm. it's very hard to do that. And I think that's a big expectation of where we are. We're driven by movies, we're driven by video games, to expect gratification and big explosions. And mm. this book is hardcore not on that page. Or even just direction. Because, like, I got, I got about halfway through the book and I could not identify which direction the character was pointing, like what her motivation was, what her end goal was, what sort of structure there was. Um, so yes, it's a very, very different book than what 
would be published today. Yeah. Although, have you read the um, Becky Chambers's books? I read one of the. I read the one that was on the Hugo Slate last year. Because I still haven't read any of them, and but just based on what people have told me, it seems like they sort of slide a little bit into that niche of low stakes. Yeah. character interaction focused um they have more i would say it's so. a little bit different um those ones are more lots of small interlinked motivations yeah. that don't really shape into an overall arc they are not okay. uh i mean i was very clear on the motivation of this main character she was exploring herself and mm. that was her drive mm. all the way through mm. she was just kind of trying stuff she had four years she was going to figure out who she was she was like can i figure out how to be nice to someone i don't particularly like will that help me grow as a person can i date this boy what does that feel like what does love feel like is this love maybe not mm. you know she was very much driven by a very sort of ivy league I don't know what I think. I haven't formed an hyp a hypothesis. I'm not coming at this like a scientist would. Mm. I'm just going to experience things. And mm. I found that very relatable. Yeah. And I like. I think Pamela Dean does an amazingly good job of some very small interpersonal moments mm. of growth or realization or just like hitting on something that is quite familiar. makes you think, I haven't quite got a grasp on who that person is, but ooh, that I recognize that. That's like someone that I've met. Mm. Mm. I'm going to read to you a bit from Pamela Dean's afterword, which is in my copy of the book. I don't know if it's in the copy that you have read, which is when she was explaining why she decided to set this particular book in this particular setting. So she'd been approached to do a fairy tale adaptation, and she just, um, decided that she wanted to adapt a ballad instead, and she wanted to adapt the Tamlin ballad. And she was toying about maybe setting it in Elizabethan England, um, and she couldn't quite get a hook for the adaptation she wanted to write. And then so she was rereading the ballad, and here's what she wrote. And suddenly it all reminded me of college, where the fear of getting pregnant collaborated with the conviction that you weren't nearly as smart as you thought you were, that you would never amount to anything practical, even if all the professors thought you were a genius, and that the world was going to hell so fast that you'd be lucky to have a BA to show the devil when it got there, to produce a subclinical state of frenzy where juggling your love life with anything else was almost but never quite completely impossible, where we all did any number of foolish and peculiar things while surrounded by, and occasionally even absorbing, the wisdom of the ages. This was a song about adolescence. I could set it in a college. I did, and everything else, including the ghosts who had no part in the original outline, sprang from that. So I don't know if that helps at all, Alex, in terms of making the book as an experience any more clear I think, but i think i think it was just a book that was not for me and that's okay and then, mm -hmm. yeah. yep that's okay and look this is not a book that will be for everyone i love it i love it to bits yeah. i reread it quite often it introduced me to my favorite play of all time which is the ladies not for burning mm. by christopher fry and it's one of my comfort reads yeah if you think you would enjoy a fairly low stakes exploration with a huge amount of like random tangents into oh Elizabethan theatre and Greek <laughs> verbs and things like that, um, where a lot of it is quite interior and it's about slow change, um, but there's quite a bit of humour and the occasional ghosts and fairies, you would probably like this. But you may not. You may bounce off I it. I mentioned it on Twitter and it was kind of funny how how actually divided the response was because there were some people who were like oh my god i love that book and there were other people who were like yeah i don't know what the fuck was going on with that book either what um yep. so yeah it definitely is a kind of either you love it or you hate it kind of book mm. and before we move on to the next temple i just wanted to put my finger on one 
thing that I think is a reason why university or academia work quite mm. well if you want to tell some stories like this to do with things like a fairy court. It's because universities are a perfect seat of that cult of personality or like old and slightly weird authority because the fairy queen in this is the head of the mm -hmm. classics department and everyone's like oh well you know the classics department they're all just a bit weird like they go away for odd parties they have these strange rituals and everybody kind of is obsessed with this one woman who's the head of the classics department and everybody's met academics who are a bit weird yeah, but have a cult like of that. personality around themselves so i thought from the point of view of looking to for a place to put a fairy court a university is a good choice Alex, have I told you about my choir director? I feel you've told me so many stories of your choir days, Macy. I remember the adorable oboe player. I don't remember that was orchestra. The, okay, orchestra. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ! <laughs> so stop so, being so musical. The city of Edinburgh is very old. Yeah, the city of Edinburgh has a lot of churches. Every church at some point or another, had an organ. They decided that they needed to have a chief organist, the city organist of the city of Edinburgh. This guy was my choir director. Okay. He had a miniature pipe organ in his apartment. He would host parties for the Motet Choir, the ceremonial university choir of which I was a member, in which we would go to his place and be introduced to wine and whiskey and strange <laughs> Scottish canapes, which we would be then told not to rest on any of his musical instruments. But darling listeners, he didn't really have any other furniture because there was the grand piano and there was the pipe organ and there was the harpsichord and he was very, very gay and he was very concerned about his doilies. Wonderful. Very court. Wonderful. I very court. Yeah, yeah, he was great. He was tiny and round and excessively Scottish and he used to arrange us like in Scots weird classical poems to sing. Why not? I thought you would like him, Alex. I do I like I would him. give you a gift. I do like him. Thank mm. you for this gift, Macy. I love hearing stories about your misspent youth. But yes, definitely a fake horse. Yes. Good. Well, speaking of Edinburgh, Yeet. Alex, would you like to talk about our second temple? I would be... Which is not in Edinburgh. Which is not in Ed Edinburgh. I know, um, all right. Scotland. <laughs> I would be delighted to talk about our second tentpole. Uh, this second tentpole... We have a vague geographic connection. Uh, uh, get a bit damp. This tentpole is The Student <laughs> Prince by Fei J. Uh, I want to give a particular shout out to Fei J's podfic of this uh, fic, which she read herself, and it is huh. wonderful. Uh, she did a fantastic job reading it aloud, just as she did writing it. Uh, so, well done, Fei J. Uh, this is a Merlin fanfic, and and it is a modern AU, a college AU, of course, um, where Merlin goes to college somewhere in Scott. Is this a real college, Macy? Oh, my yes. gosh. St. Andrews is, yes, is one of the most prestigious colleges in, certainly in Scotland, pretty much in the UK. And it is the tiny posh one that is the Scottish answer to Cambridge and Oxford. Cool, cool. Hmm. Um, and the background, and the reason why it works here is because it's where, it's where Prince William went. met. Yeah. Met Kate Middleton. Yeah, so uh, Prince Arthur has gone to college, and Merlin has gone to college, and he meets uh, Gwen on the train up to college, and they are immediately besties. And uh, she has a crush on the prince, and he has a crush on the prince, and they're all twitterpated about the idea of oh my god, meeting the prince maybe. 
Uh, and then Merlin gets to college and gets to his room in his dorm and walks in the door and there's the prince who is his roommate. <laughs> and oh my god, they were roommates. <laughs> uh, can- Full on, oh my god, they oh, were roommates. Oh my god, they like, were roommates. It really uh. takes advantage of every possible angle of that You trope. can really just boil the whole plot down to, and oh my god, they were roommates. <laughs> no, I feel like there needs to be an honorable mention of the fact that Merlin gives the dragon a plane. That's true. That's good. There still is, one thing I did really appreciate about this was that there was still magic involved. And so Merlin the whole time is sort of trying to hide the fact, well, not the whole time, but for most of the the fic, he's trying to hide the fact that he has magic. And uh, Arthur is going through this whole crisis of sexuality. And so he's, for most of the fic, trying to like hide his gay panic. Which, can I just grump for a second about him saying that he's gay when he's clearly textually bisexual Mm. yeah like he has this big like coming out to the nation thing at the middle end and it's like no i watched you be like twitter pated about girls earlier in this thing was he was he twitter pit or was that a spell it was not just her there were other ones okay there were at the same time you can make the argument that if that's how he wants to identify at the end and if he wants to look back and say okay, some of the stuff I was doing there I was trying to maybe talk myself into or it was a bit performative, then that's fine. Right, because he has... Yes, he has but this... I didn't get given that. Yeah. I mean, he does have this whole layer of, like, expectation. Like, like he was born into, into this position and he's never been able to make a choice for himself. Um, mm-hmm. And the end of it really reminded me a lot of Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Yep. Um, in terms of sort of like how this prince of England sort of has to deal with his sexuality and what it means to be a prince and to have this obligation and duty to the kingdom and to his family and to his father at the same time as like wanting to be his own person and make his own decisions mm-hmm. and live honestly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it shares a lot of DNA with drastically redefining protocol. I was going to say that's the one it by Rage Proof Rock, which we which we did a whole deep dive episode yes. on. Yes, yeah, but you're too, it's true. I really liked that there was still magic in this, and that the whole point was that Merlin had been placed as Arthur's roommate because he's there to guard him from magical threat, yep. and at the same time as going to university at St Andrews, he's also there because it's one of the few places where you can actually get trained in magic. Yes. I enjoyed there was a similar like level of magical hijinks and monster of the week to the show Merlin. Oh yes. Like mm. it felt very similar amounts of stakes. I was quite amused by that. But except that the fic is not really all that interested in like getting into that. So it will just show you like little snippets and like, oh yes, he mm. dealt with a Kelpie last week. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a siren this week and a fair And then you get like eight thousand words of pub crawl. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's much more interested <laughs> in the non magical experience of being at university, which is why I thought it was quite a good one to put next to Tam Lin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which has very, very unmagical with pockets of magic. And this one is much more upfront about its magical pockets, but it also isn't that interested in them. Yeah. It wants to be like, here's right. this really weird ritual that this particular college at St. Andrews does for the solstice or whatever it was. And it's great because it's... it really gives you this, oh God, I'm going to say the word juxtaposition, but I suppose if there is if there is the episode to say it, it's this one <laughs> for 10 dollars ah. words. It gives you the juxtaposition of actual magic with weird ass rituals from the dawn of time or the beginning of the university that have just become entrenched and have a vaguely magical feel to them 
but are not actually magic in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I know Edinburgh used to have people running around throwing flour at one another on occasion. Um, we had to reschedule... Oh God, Alex, you're going to shout. You're going to laugh okay. at me again. Um, we had to reschedule the concert that we were singing for the Princess Anne because the students were going to throw flower bombs at her and had hidden in the closet beforehand. And so we had to put it into a different campus outdoors. Cool. That's delightful. That's very good. Listen, the Princess Royal never did much wrong in her life. At least she wasn't her father. As long as we're at this, do you want to tell us about the time that you sang for, like, fucking the king of Saudi Arabia or what, whatever it was? Well, it was, it was one of the sheiks. It's fine. It was a ceremonial <laughs> choir at a very prestigious university. We were basically their on-call classy entertainment. Mm. So I sung for J.K. Rowling. I sang for the Princess Royal. I sang for... Prince Philip, and he accused my tenor of being gay, which in fairness was correct. <laughs> Has he met tenors ever in his He's life? Like, hey, you're rather too well groomed to study geography. <laughs> <laughs> How delightful. Mm. Prince Dear. Philip is a gift to someone else, please, yeah. somewhere very far yeah. away. So for all for all that is an AU, the situation in terms of like the ages of the, the characters and the way they interact is fairly similar to the show. Yes. But what I think this university college AU fanfic gives us is it puts them in a context where they are not expected to be doing their real lives yet. So in Merlin, the show, mm. everyone is at the court. Arthur is training to be king. Merlin is, you know, at the palace undercover as a magician and is trying to hide his magic, but is basically also training to be Arthur's magical bodyguard, but having to do that all the time. While being but there's a no useless sen- manservant. While being a useless manservant. <laughs> but there's no sense that there is a time at which that will end and reality will begin. They are in reality already. Whereas the whole point of being yeah. at university is that you are in a space pre-reality. You are there to discover yourself, your sexuality possibly, to learn the lessons you will need for when real life starts. You're in like a little package. Yes. And yeah, you're has in a an pack. end. Yes. So we're going to talk a yeah. bit further down about this idea of university as liminal space. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's something that is really key to why it's a good setting and what kind of stories you can use it to tell. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But first, Macy is going to tell us about our third tentpole. I am. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the magicians, which is what happens when you can't decide between a college AU Harry Potter and what if Narnia but depressed. Yeah. Um, So The Magicians is a TV show with some opinions about the state of modern fantasy fiction um, in which a troubled young man um, goes to grad school to become a magician and a monster shows up and pulls out his professor's eyes, which is Mm. a frequent hazard of upper level education, I am led to believe. Reliably by this show. Yeah, this particular university really should be offering <laughs> hazard pay levels of <laughs> employment contracts. There's a lot of nasty shit that happens specifically That's to the lot. teachers. It's really bad. It's also one of the things that I kind of enjoyed about the way that the magicians arranges the first season, at least, is you have um, spoilers for much of the magicians. We, Alex, may I spoil you for later bits yes. of the magicians? Okay. Yes. Go right in. Um, We have a thing where you later find out that one of the main characters has been using time travel to reset the loop and change the circumstances of the first few characters, the important characters, to try to make things work right. 
And this time, the change she has made is our sad boy's best friend, Julia, has been falsely failed out of the college. Um, And so you get Quentin, our sad boy, having the full college experience, aided by the fabulous Elliot and the terrifying Margot. Um, You know, going to frat parties, learning from books, taking classes, summoning the dead, all of the usual stuff. All of the usual things you do Mm -hmm. in college. Meanwhile, Julia is out on the streets accosting drug dealers and, like, cutting open a corpse to smear fat from it on her face in a really gross scene that I did not love. So you kind of get this, um, the privileged way to acquire magic and the I have nothing, I have to do all of this myself way at the same time. And I found that an interesting structural choice. Mm, I liked that because a lot of educationally focused narratives that are like, this is the magical school, this is the magical university, tend to give you the impression that this is how you do it. If you don't go to this school or this university, then you cannot get trained properly. And the Magicians does dig into that and says, well, you know, this is the way that the establishment does it, and this is the prestigious place and the proper capital P place to learn magic. But there are other options, and perhaps they have their own problems, and the people who do them are not necessarily trustworthy. But you can probably say the same about Breakbills, the magical university. Oh, yeah. And it's true, I like that about this particular narrative, that it says, here's the university, here are the problems with a magical university, and here's how it might exist in a wider and more complicated setting. Mm. I will note for our listeners a little bit of a content warning on some of the ways it deals with mental health. I don't always love those. One of the plot points in the first episode is the Dean taking away Quentin's medication and saying, well, you should be happy now. Yeah, you weren't not depressed. how depression works. You just hadn't discovered Magical University yet. Yeah, I did kind of want uh, to punch the show a bit. And yeah, look, it, it, yes, it does have some... irresponsible. It does have some, like, quite gory, violent things. There's some animal death in the first season. Yeah. There's quite a lot, unfortunately, of attempted or successful sexual assault. Um, so I think if you are going to watch this show, have a check out some content warnings. You know, Macy and I have been watching this show on and off in between <laughs> writing books. We enjoy it. We think it is very entertaining trash, yeah. essentially. It has, it has this frustrating habit of being gorgeous and precisely what you want generally whenever Elliot and Quentin are interacting well mm-hmm. or Elliot is making fabulous cocktails or Elliot and Margot are exceedingly, just I love exceedingly well appointed college bar in their frat house that is made of like oak paneling <sighs> yes. gorgeous yes. and then there's the rest of the show and you're like but why yes but yeah let's talk about is grad school different because I know Freya you had some bullets on this yeah I did so yeah the difference here So briefly, I'll jump down to my other dot points. I think one of the good things about educational settings is that it's a very good kind of portal fantasy because it says, here you are, you are new to magic, but now you are in a place where your literal job is to learn things in a structured way. Uh I mean, The Magicians has what Brandon Sanderson would probably call very soft magic, although it's pretending to be hard. They're pretending that there are all these rules and yep. lessons and, oh, yes, you have to learn it from books. But at the same time, every time they use magic, it's something completely out of left field, yep. solving a problem yep. in a completely weird way. And you're just like, sure, okay, let, let's just, just go with it. But I think one of the um, 
the reasons I like that is because it gives the impression that there are higher level studies. That this is something that mm. you wouldn't not necessarily go to, you wouldn't learn at school, it's something you have to learn as an adult. And so the people are no longer young adults, really. They are. Except they're behaving. They're like behaving it. like it. But this idea of it being grad school, the, the, pers- the main character is in a different place. He is in a place at the beginning of the show where he is finished with his undergraduate university and he is expected, more or less, to take his place in the real world. And then doesn't. And then doesn't. So he says, you know, oh, I have to grow up. And Julia says, you know, you need to grow up. Life is starting for real. Uh, And then being presented with the opportunity to go to magical university grad school is kind of a way to say, actually, you don't. Here's a way to... Grad school is basically the pomegranate seeds. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Expand on that, please. (laughs) The, The Persephone pomegranate seeds. You ate and now you have to stay in fairy because you fucked up. Yeah. And now you have a PhD due... And your funding runs out in three years and it's going to take you seven. So have fun with that and, then, and probably don't start a family. And then if you do get into academia, then you're going to be stressed about tenure forever. Yeah. Yep. But from a wish yep. fulfillment perspective, it also says to those of us who have gotten through Hogwarts age and then gotten through undergraduate age, it's not too late. Yes. The magic is out there and it can find you even when you are an adult who is expected to have outgrown it. Except I want to say that I don't think we saw a single mature student oh, no. in the whole of the magicians. Because heaven forfend, they have older people. Well, it's interesting because yeah. they say, you know, you've been accepted into the grad student program. And then you just never really get an impression of, is there an undergraduate program <laughs> like you just see it just looks like a university campus everybody behaves like they're in undergraduate graduate yeah. they talk about you know oh that was the that was the what's left of the third year course i'm like of of, of what of, of like what? Yes. are there undergrads or <laughs> actually, is this just a... it doesn't it doesn't matter it's fairy it's liminal space yes. liminal space especially in break bills more than most colleges because it literally is set up to be definitively on purpose in liminal space but just to go back to a point that freya was making with them behaving like they're undergrads that was actually why i bounced so hard off of this the first time i watched it because someone i really like a boy i liked at the time Ugh. Uh, recommended this show to me uh, and I watched like three episodes and I was like I can't fucking stand this main character he's like such a straight white college aged boy and I got enough yep. of those when I was in college and it wasn't until and so I was like I'm not watching any more of the show I don't know why people like it now it wasn't until later I think it was you and uh, the two of you who were like no no Alex you should give it another chance because it gets super queer later on <laughs> which it yeah. does yeah Quentin is not not that. Right. He, he is he grows. also he's a like, bisexual disaster, but like he is it's more complicated. One heck of a fuckboy to Julia in the first few episodes. Yeah. yeah. In most of the first season, frankly. Yeah, he's not great in the first season. He does slowly get better. And I must admit, yeah. like, this is based on Lev Grossman's Magician's books series, which I have I'm not read. I'm told the books are better. You've heard the books are better, or have you read them? I- I have not read them. I've heard I've heard from other people. Other people have told me, oh, the hmm. books are not as that way. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, but once I started watching it again, once I had pushed past those first couple episodes, I did really like it. Um, but I w- did still notice that they were still behaving like undergrads rather than grad students. Um, to the point where I had erased the fact that they were grad students at all. I just sort of like remembered them being in college. And so when I rewatched the first episode for this um, as the tentpole, I was like, oh, grad school. What? 
It doesn't really yeah. matter except for the fact that they can just drink all the time. Right. <laughs> and do. Just fucking America, man. But we have now spent 40 minutes on the tent. Oh, dear. Poles, so I'm going to nominate that we move on and talk about some other aspects of university that genre fiction can play with. Sure. Yes. Um, so I put down the first two dot points here, so I'll touch on the first one. I quite like, and this is a book that I will not recommend wholeheartedly, but <laughs> especially if you like series that are complete or are going to be complete. Oh, Patrick Rothfuss's book, <laughs> The Name of the Wind, book. has its problems. But one of the things that stands out to me is what I really enjoyed when I first read it uh, was mm. its portrayal of how it feels to be a university student with no money. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> the main character for a large part of the book is at university. He's trying to learn all he can. He's trying to learn magic. And he is broke. And so, so broke. whether he can go out drinking with his friends and whether he can go and do various things or afford various aspects of university life depends on how much money he has at the time. And it's an aspect of university existence that I have not seen explored in fiction, especially in fantasy fiction, much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. More people creeping down to Tesco's at 11.45pm to get the half-price end-of-day sandwiches out the bargain bin. Or that thing where you carefully, carefully read the weekly campus newsletter to see which organizations are going to be throwing like mixers yes. and offering free pizza, and you go just like for the free pizza. <laughs> Can I dress sufficiently like a business student to make it into the business school behind this group of chattering and eat their food? Skirted wearing people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like investing in a charity shop pencil skirt just so you can break into the law school. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. All the medical <laughs> the medical students at my clinical hospital got a reaming out by one of the uh, doctors there because we kept sneaking into intern teaching because intern teaching got free food <laughs> <laughs> and we were all broke medical students and we were like oh we're here to learn and we're just like stuffing mini spring rolls into our mouths <laughs> see that's the peak uh, college my experience teacher, yes my teacher at u chicago used to bribe us to come to her ta's rehearsal lectures by by buying deep dish pizza. Ooh. So if you showed up, you got to skip the lecture in class and you got deep dish pizza. So there'll be like a race to see who would sign up for the six slots. That's clever. Yes. That's good. Yes. Well, on the other side of the coin, when it comes to uh, money and privilege, um, mm. I think another thing that you can do with universities is really dig into this idea that sort of related to what we were talking about, about collegiate ideals, but also the idea of universities for a certain part of the population being a hotbed of networking and privilege oh and old boys clubs. So I wanted to shout out Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Have you either of you read mm. that one yet? Mm -mm. No, I'm scared to, but I also It also want to. has some pretty heavy yeah, themes and stuff going on in it. So I would also look up some content warnings for that. But it's I really liked the world building setup, which is that the secret societies at Yale are actually magical secret societies and there are eight of them and they all have their own way of doing magic and things that they can influence and they are, basically exist to make life easier for the alumni of those secret societies. And the ninth house, which is what the point of view character goes into, is the one that has been set up to essentially keep tabs on and keep an eye on these other houses to make sure they are not overstepping their bounds or doing anything really, really dangerous. And I love that. Great. I love that as a setup for a book. I honestly, the part of me that really enjoyed Donna Tartt's *The Secret History* would really have liked a bit more digging into what it feels like to be on the inside 
of those mm. privileged houses. Like it's very much an outsider point of view, mm. taking a deep, mm. hard look at how privilege manifests. But mm. I loved the setup so much that I want like five more novels from the point of view of the insufferable privileged people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny looking at how differently that works in different cultures, different subcultures particularly, because I've never been that in the UK. But I went to UChicago for a year and have been officially banned from calling myself an alum. So I am not an alum of UChicago. You've been officially banned? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not allowed. We had official documentation and everything. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> did you, like, did you do something? Or was that like a semantic issue? This sounds like another misfit youth story. <laughs> there have been a lot this episode. I'll spare you. Um, but the ways that mm, privilege and money manifested on that hallowed ground compared to the ways that like Silicon Valley tech bro mm. privilege manifests, mm -hmm. it's kind of fun and weird and different, but it's always the dudes. Mm. Like the girls can have it, but they can't act upon it. They, in the same ways. Mm. And maybe that's different in Ninth House. I would be fascinated to read, but I do see, like, in the real spaces that we have in this world, who gets to be decorative in those spaces versus who gets to act upon them mm -hmm. is interesting. And I would imagine for the people of color who make it into those circles, they've probably experienced something quite similar. Yeah, yeah. So why college AUs at all? In a fan fiction setting, you mean? Yeah, yes. Well, and everything. In, yeah, just sort of generally, like, what is so compelling about a college AU? I think you can slot anyone into it. You can look at literally any character and ask yourself, what would they study? What would the clubs that they went to be? You know, how would they fit into the life of a college campus? Okay, so it's sort of like, it's kind of a taxonomy, um, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, like what would their, their demon be if this was uh, a His Dark Materials fusion? Or what, so. or what w Harry Potter house would they be in? Yeah. Um, yes, because like we do kind of bake, make assumptions about people based on their majors a little bit. Um, when you're in college, it's, right? Like, oh, all the classicists all the, are oh, weird. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, look, but it's also like uh, all of the untamed ones, like the one where they are both girls and Wei Ying ends up being a lingerie model and dropping out of college. Like, it's kind of fun to imagine which characters just wouldn't work at college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, we, us, the serpents, have spent a good chunk of a few hours one afternoon Oh, yes. Describing a very interconnected <laughs> and complicated college AU of all of our own characters from our we own did. books, which yeah. was God, a that deeply was enjoyable exercise. Partly that was from, so much fun. Partly because it was just so a crossover fun. exercise where we talked about which yes. of our characters would meet at the gym yeah. and then become and gym which of our character, yeah. Which of our characters would be friends with each other and which of our characters would definitively not be friends with each other and which would be <laughs> frenemies but then secretly date and all sorts of things. It was fantastic yeah uh, you're right that a university campus is a place full of lots of different types of people yeah, who are just right. brought into proximity by the fact that they are at the university yeah yeah i also find with college au's um a little bit more than high school au's i think that mm. the college au is often selling or at least depicting a sense of nostalgia 
Um, and I'm talking about nostalgia with a capital N, you know, because when you're in college, they're like, oh, this is the best time of your life. You should enjoy this. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, I kept looking around and going, man, I sure hope not. This kind of sucks. And maybe it's different for people who aren't in American colleges because America is very like deep in the capitalism um, and like everything is a product. Right. And so my college definitely tried to sell me a sense of nostalgia as a product so that they would then be able to milk it later on after I was an alumni and like, oh, don't you remember fondly your days at college? Don't you want to make a donation to the college because you remember it so well? You know what I'm saying? No, because this is a hellscape thing. Okay, well, this, sorry, this is just an American <laughs> hellscape thing then. Well, no, I get I get hit up by both of my universities for yeah. donations because are they private? Hellscape. What, what do you mean by private? Like, were they state funded? Like, why do they need your money? I mean, all universities are a combination of privately funded and, well, no, there are some that are only private. Uh, mm. Most of them are a combination of state subsidized uh, mm. university fees and privately funded. Mm. So in the UK, the public ones, you cannot pay to go privately if you are a UK citizen. How did, so you, hang on. Are we, hold mean? on. First of all, first of all, let's establish what we mean by public and private because in America it's backwards, right? So when you say- No. No, no, that, that's schools. That's schools. So, okay, so it's something- <laughs> So in the UK, is a public university, do you have to pay any fees to attend it at all? The government pays them and you have to pay them back- after you're graduated and earned over a minimum amount of yeah okay. oh that's the same in australia if it but at the <laughs> same yeah so the government will pay um your hex your higher education contribution blah blah, blah um up to a certain like number of years and degrees <laughs> if you are an australian citizen and then yes you start to pay them back or you can pay your fees up front um and then overseas non-citizen students will pay full fee um, and yep. there are also some universities that are full fee paying and they are considered to be private, even for Australian citizens. Mm. But most I suspect all of this is probably a non-interesting diversion to the episode. No, that's all right. We, we can cut this. That's fine. This is just interesting for I mean, I'm just talking yeah, about this now. <laughs> I may or may not leave that in. It's up to you, future <sighs> Alex. Have fun with that. Oh, well. <laughs> but no, I think, I think um, going back to what you said about the sense of nostalgia and yeah. resentment about that, I suspect that is why you bounced hard off Tamlin. Yeah. yeah, because it is somebody, it is someone intensively enjoying their college experience and reflecting on how they are these years that she will think back on fondly forever. Yeah, no, like when I was in college, I was like, oh, they're trying to do the nostalgia thing at me and I'm not having it to the point where I didn't even go to my own graduation ceremony. One thing I found interesting about all of these is how much they wanted to show the prestige and architecture and grand parklands with ceremonial mm. oaks yes. of the college experience and not the dodgy porter cabins. I mean, we got a little bit of that with Tam Lin, I feel, but did you guys catch this? What did you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it ties in a little to what we were talking about when we talked about sort of like houses and palaces and things as characters. Mm -hmm. All of these have university as character very, yes. very strongly. And, you know, in these days where people can do entire degrees online 
and you know yep. have distance education or you know do a degree at a university without ever setting foot on the campus very much these are all stories that are intrinsically tied to the physical place of the mm-hmm. university mm-hmm. as being really important and it's also a specific kind of university none of these are your like your local technology school you know the local polytechnic um, none of these are grubby right none of your local like one building community college <laughs> right yeah which makes me think hey alex you like community right i do yes the show oh uh yeah. the show mm, the show is fine i liked community i didn't finish it but i liked it it, it was okay I, looking back on it now i'm like mm, i think i enjoyed it at the time though did you have a point about it I am familiar no, with it. No, I just was looking for something to be enthusiastic about that was not the grandia style. Oh, 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 I see. Um, no, but I think that I think that that's a thing that community does do very well is mm-hmm. because like the kind of grubby community college doesn't get a lot of representation in literature <laughs> and media. So no, I think you're absolutely correct about about that. Um, and I feel it makes a bit of a point, and I have a favourite fic from it that I cannot remember, so, um, Scribes, that was less than useless. <laughs> um, <laughs> go into the community tag, find Macy's favourite fic, Macy's and think it. Fic. <laughs> I mean, you might be able to find it in my bookmarks, uh, but <laughs> there was a really nice long fic in which two of the boys figure out that they like each other and end up dating, and it was charming. But was uh, one of the it? things I got from that... Yes, Um, was the found family aspect of college, the discovering yourself and figuring out who you want to be and having a transition period in your life aspect has nothing to do with the physical location being grand. It can still be just as grand and amazing for you and your cohort because it's about the crucible of things you're being put through. Mm. But it also, I think, relies on there being a group of people around you. And that's something mm-hmm. that, again, the, what community is about. But also I think I would say that the secondary aspect of all of these, if you're saying that the architecture and the physical setting was the primary one, the secondary one is being there in person to have these yes. experiences with other people because they mm-hmm. are the catalyst for your self-discovery and for forming these bonds and learning about yourself and growing into adulthood and growing into magic, if that's the case. Yeah. Which, for no particular reason, your serpents are having feelings about meeting other people in person at present. Oh, I am. Yeah, yeah. I am. I miss humans. Um, okay. <laughs> for the scribes, this is sidebar. Macy, was it Advanced Ambulatory Ethology by Jism? Yes! Uh, yeah, that's wow. like the one Troy Arvid fic that I that's have read also. So yeah. you can go yeah. back and it's bookmark that. Pick. If you would like to leave this part out of the transcript, we can then pretend that you are magic. <laughs> <laughs> scribes, scribes are magic. That's just factual. But I also have... University architecture is a hilarious topic and I can go on on it for far too long. Mm-hmm. But my favourite is probably, I believe it was the University of Cambridge Law Library, which was a massive glass tilted building, which had a wall to separate the library and quiet reading room that they had to remove because it was making the building tilt over and they had to prop it up with sticks. Oh, that is amazing. That is amazing. (laughs) One of my favorite things about university architecture is how some universities just have like an area of lawn that you're not allowed to touch (laughs) or look at. Right. Like why? What's with that? Like why is there this like patch of lawn and you're not even like you respect the lawn. Like you could get thrown out if you run across that lawn. Alex, I have to inform you, that is not American bullshit. No, I know. We do that too. No, I know you do. I know you do. Like, oh, it was yeah. cited in, in Student Prince by Feijay, I think. 
Like, they just have yes, this one day of the year that they're allowed to walk on the grass. And also, the University of York is very proud of the fact that they have two ducks per student. Are they seriously? Yes. How wonderful. That's Why? amazing. <laughs> so if a student quits, do they have to kill some ducks? Amazing question, I mean, I guess they give them to the student. Is there a census? <laughs> Here you go. Goodbye. Have a duck under each arm. Imagine how much better that would have made graduation. Alex, you would have gone to your graduation, to graduation. if they had given you ducks. If I were given a pair of ducks upon graduation, is... I would have gone to my graduation, yeah. Darling listeners, this is the conclusion from the servants. <laughs> Universities would be better if everyone was given ducks. Correct. The end. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> everybody thanks for joining us for this episode of be the serpent a podcast of extremely extremely deep literary merit i'm still wondering outraged why my university didn't give me a pair of ducks upon graduation but you know what else i'm wondering whether we're going to get any interesting questions for our episode 60 extravaganza we're recording on the evening of april 11th so be sure to send us your questions through our email or by twitter or tumblr dms Ask us things about recent topics we've covered, or, well, really, whatever you want. Uh, it's just going to be a fun, relaxing time. We're going to have cocktails. Uh, but before you get to hear the extravaganza, you get to hear about an even more exciting topic in an upcoming episode. On the next episode, two weeks hence, on April 22nd, we'll be discussing non-human protagonists. If you want to prepare in advance, one of the tentpoles for that episode is The Unspoken Name by A.K. Larkwood, which is a fabulous book about a lesbian orc and her terrible wizard dad. So if you have a friend who's into stuff like that, maybe give them a heads up. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions, comments, breathless adulations? Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com, at serpentcast on Twitter and Tumblr, or join in the conversation in our fan Discord chat, linked on the About the Show page of our website. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Most of the money we get there goes to paying our transcription team a fair rate for their excellent work. And by the way, if there was a grade for how awesome you are, you'd get straight A's this semester.